Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andy Shea. Ross Tucker will be with us in a little bit. Andy, we're going to start with the news and a big week. We had Big Ten Media Week. I'm not sure there was any big-time news coming out of that, but at least it indicates football's not far away, right? Football is around the corner. Big Ten Media Days, camp is, what, a week, 10 days away or something like that, something in the next, you know, week or two that that camp, that, uh, camp will be in full swing, so... Football is just around the corner. It is, and as I mentioned, it was Big Ten uh, Media Week. They did it out in Indianapolis at the uh, stadium there. Uh, James Franklin, of course, representing Penn State, along with players Sean Clifford, Jair Brown, P.J. Mustafer, and I guess new athletic director Patrick Kraft made his presence known this week also. But uh, first of all, just your... Biggest takeaways from the Big Ten media get-together? So I had a couple of them. Um, You know, you always want to hear what the coaches say because he sets the tone and tenor um, for the team. I found a couple things interesting about what James Franklin said. I thought they were in his sort of reading the tea leaves way, um, revealing. The first one was about the O-line group. He said something similar, something kind of similar before – you know, when he said, he said, you know, every year I get up here and talk about the offensive line and, and I tell you that this is going to be the year for the next step at that position. And then he turned around and said, I'm not going to do that this year. I'm going to let them prove that to you. That's a direct quote. And I should say, you should say you slash me on the field. He said, but I've been very, very pleased with that unit and the depth that we have created. So it's that cautious optimism. It's what you and I have been talking about with the offensive line, Jimmy, where you're like, you're looking at a little more optimism. I'm like, you've got to show me the money. I am putting the expectations uh, very low in the seller. I don't disagree with you and your optimism at all. In any way, shape, or form, it is valid. But I'm like, I've got to see it. And I think James is saying the kind of the exact same thing as, you know, he put it as a, he did it kind of in an us versus them. Uh, I'm flipping his words a little bit and saying, you know, they he, they got to prove it to you on the field as well as prove it, you know, prove it to everybody else. So I think he's kind of like, I know what I have here, but I want to see it and I got to see it on the field. Big takeaway that I had. Um, linebacker. Middle linebacker is going to be a question. He did not shy away from that at all. He's comfortable with the outside linebacker positions. Jonathan Sutherland moving from safety to that position feels like a good move. Uh, you know, we have Curtis Jacobs as the other outside linebacker, outstanding prospect as an outside linebacker in every way, shape, and form. They're the they are going to go deep into camp, he said, to learn about the middle linebacker position and sort of they view that position in Penn State's defense as a leadership position. So I think that is was another interesting reveal that, like, hey, look, middle linebacker. Deep into camp, we're gonna. It's gonna be a. We've got to figure this out. Very revealing to me. Not a surprise in any way, shape, or form. 
And sort of the last one that's a little under the radar that grabbed me was the combination of, you know, the the transfer, the guys coming in the transfer portal, one guy, particularly Jock Robinson, uh, junior college players coming in. But more importantly, he talked about the young the young players in this highly regarded recruiting class. And in his first take, he's saying, I feel they're going to be able to impact our program and the organization earlier in their careers. In other words, don't be surprised if you hear more about some of the young guys towards the end or coming out of camp. It will not be a surprise at all. James just gave you the sort of warning order shot across the bow. That's a very good review of uh, James Franklin's take on the team as he went through it. Yeah, I took note too. He didn't shy away from there's going to be a battle at middle linebacker. There's competition there. But uh, it struck me that he did feel confident about he used the word depth when talking about both the offensive line and the defensive line. It sounds like he feels pretty good about those two units, which is pretty important. I wanted to ask you about um, Sean Clifford. He comes across so very well, so very professional, yep. uh, intelligent young man. No doubt about that. There are a couple takeaways. He got himself, I don't want to say in hot water, but he started touching this potentially unionization or collective bargaining or negotiating as a group. And even though he says it's not union, it sure, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of those uh, features, but I thought his handling of that was so good that he made sure he preemptively went out and said, look, that's all fine and good. I want to help out football players everywhere, but my focus is on football. He needed to tell that to the Penn State fans. The other interesting quote from Sean that I wanted you to comment on is he talked about being in the same offense for two years in a row, the same offensive coordinator. And his quote was, a year ago we were learning the offense. This year we're mastering it, Andy. I I haven't been able to say enough, um, you know, even going back, you know, last year and in the Kirk Scirocco year with COVID and everything that, and when we were doing our position evaluations, I'm like, you cannot undervalue the fact that Mike Yersich and Sean Clifford as the quarterback have a second year together. And for the first time in Sean's career as a starting quarterback at Penn state, he is not dealing with a new offensive coordinator. In other words, it was learn, get to a point, learn again, learn, get to a point, learn again. So this is the first time he gets to learn, build on it, and then actually go into the off season and build on it. You can't quantify that to, you know, in terms of what that means and what it looks like in terms of numbers. But I just know football wise that that is extremely valuable, especially when you've had the kind of turnover that Penn State's had at that coordinator position. And it has impacted this offense. I mean, overall, okay, the ele- the not the elephant in the room, but the problem in the room, the biggest problem for Penn State's offense and why it sort of has declined productivity-wise is posi- football-wise, it is centered on the offensive line and the play of the offensive line, mostly. 
big picture wise, but overall, one of the biggest, you know, non positional football playing things is it's been the fact that they haven't had any consistency or continuity at the offensive coordinator position. Yeah. Okay. It's James quote unquote, James Franklin. He's the head coach. It's his offense, but each coordinator has their own way, their own lingo, their own way of doing things. That has also sort of been an undertow of impact. And it's not surprising that Penn state's offense has declined a little bit over the last couple of seasons. But the fact that, that it's Mike Yersich and Sean Clifford, they are now, not only is Sean mastering Mike's offense, Mike is mastering Sean Clifford, the quarterback, and what he can get and expect from him. It's a bit of a two-way street, and I do have a very strong feeling that it is going to be a very impactful part of what you see from Penn State's offense in 2022 will be that continuity between quarterback and offensive coordinator. I want to get up one other thing that came up. We as fans have talked about this a little bit. seems like every year Penn State starts their Big Ten season on the road. And I believe the reason why Penn State fans get that impression is because it's true. It's true. <laughs> they st- yes, it happens over and over and over again. Now, I'm not sure how big a um, – issue that is if if you win the game hey it's great a year ago they went to madison they beat wisconsin you feel good you got a a road win right off the bat but as a team you've got to say that can be a little tough maybe easing into the season more importantly though i cannot picture that happening to a michigan or an ohio state in this conference yet penn state seemed to just quietly accept it I was impressed that it seemed like it was a coordinated effort. You had James Franklin talk about it. You had the athletic director say, we can't have that. I was impressed, not that I'm so concerned about the fact that they start on the road, but what I liked was here seems to be an athletic director ready to stand up to the Big Ten and just say, hey, that's not right. Yeah, it should be... (sighs) It should be 50-50 at worst, especially for Penn State. Yeah, yeah, okay, would they do that to Michigan or Ohio State? Probably not. Should it happen to Penn State? Maybe not. It should be it should be 50-50. I I get why they are def- why they are complaining about it. I just I am like, you know, go go play your football game, but they're not wrong, right? Like they they have a point. I don't know if taking it publicly is necessarily the right step. It's their chosen step. And there and it was a coordinated, intentionally done uh, message, right? So I, I don't know yes or no. I don't have the answer of whether or not that's a good idea to do publicly. I think it kind of goes like, eh. But they don't. They obviously don't give to you know what's because they're like, you know what, we're, we're ticked off. This is BS, and we're going to say something about it. And it should be 50-50. Penn State's earned and deserves that. And, and, you know, playing three or three or four straight years opening with a road game in the Big Ten Conference, that is baloney. That, that, that is not right, and they are not wrong. How they delivered their message, that is how they chose to do it, and it was pretty impactful. They were pretty well coordinated, and we're like, all right, we're going to say something to you guys. Well, to me, the, the factor is that we don't know they, if they had already said it 
privately to them. And do you really think there's this is a situation where the people at the Big Ten headquarters didn't know this was the case? It, it's it's not a hidden thing. It's it's an obvious thing. So they knew about it. The question is, did Penn State say something to them privately before? I have no problem with them saying it publicly and saying, look, it's wrong. This is another case where Penn State's getting the short end of the stick. And maybe I'm sounding like a homer that Penn State bias, but we've just seen too many bad calls by officials, too many scheduling quirks, too many of these things happening. And if you want it changed, you got to stand up and say something about it. I'm impressed that the new athletic director did exactly that, Andy. That's what I want. I want an AD who's going to fight for for my school, for my team. All right, that's it for quarter number one. Stick around. Ross Tucker will be here for quarter number two. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. It's quarter number two, and that means we welcome in Ross Tucker. Ross, we keep getting closer and closer. It's the very end of July, Big Ten Media Days. My friend, are you excited about football season coming? I am. I am. It's always interesting to me, Jim, like every NFL training camp is open, and yet they don't start till the week after Labor Day, 
Meanwhile, you know, college football camps haven't opened yet, and they're playing August 27th, you know? So uh, just an interesting dichotomy between the pros and college and how much preparation goes into before that first game. Well, of course, the difference is we're talking about professionals on the one hand and then NFL players on the other. <laughs> ah, Jim, that was good. That was really good. Thank you. You, you. I wanted to make sure you saw what I did there. Okay. Uh, let's move on, Ross. We've been doing, and I always say it every year, my favorite series that we do every year is you do the scouting report on the incoming players. We've been doing that series. We finally completed it. Then... My favorite among favorites is I will post your rankings, how you did it. And this is, after you're done, is the first time you actually see the players in your ranking and how you had them. So I assume you have it in your hand. I have it in mine. I'm going to let you go first. Just tell me, reviewing your rankings, is there anything you look at and say, you know what, if I had a do-over... I would do this differently. Um, well, I guess, first of all, it makes me kind of feel bad that I've got a couple of District 3 guys as the two lowest-rated players in Bo Prabula and Anthony Ivey. You know, that bothers me as a District 3 guy that loves high school football and really enjoyed what both those guys did over the last four years. I mean... Anthony Ivey at Mannheim Township, Bo Prabula, Central York, for the last four years, those guys made a lot of plays for their high schools and were awesome, awesome high school football players. So I guess it kind of bothers me that I've got them ranked so low, although perhaps on some level, you know, where I have Singleton balances it out a little bit. <laughs> um <laughs> But that sort of, I don't know that I would change it though, Jim. I, I, you know, I guess two guys looking at this, I, I can see being a little bit higher are Amari Evans and Tyler Johnson. You know, Amari Evans was tough because he was basically just like a wildcat quarterback and played quarterback for his high school, but he was a real athlete. And so. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being more productive than that. And Tyler Johnson, my only concern there was really his speed, but I really enjoyed the way that he played, how physical he was. I remember just thinking, this guy is a baller, just lacked the top end, you know, pull away speed that you would that you would really want. Um, on the flip side, you know, I like Makai Flowers a lot, another District 3 kid. I, I like Keon. By the way, that's pretty impressive that Penn State, that, that there were four kids in District 3 that in the same year going to Penn State. Nicholas Singleton from Governor Mifflin, Makai Flowers from Steel High and CD East, Anthony Ivy, Mannheim Township, Boperbula, Central York. That's hard to do. I mean, it's hard to be good enough to get offered a scholarship to go to Penn State and to have – Four guys like that in, uh, in, I guess, central Pennsylvania, it's pretty impressive. Um, but I just think I have Keon Wiley and Makai Flowers 
ranked pretty high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I mean, I have them both as top 10 in the class. The only thing is, I think that it's going to take a little bit for both those guys. I, I think they're going to end up probably having to, you know, red shirt and, you know, Wiley, I don't know what position he's going to play. He's got to get bigger. He's going to play the end, got to learn how to play linebacker. And Flowers is sort of a, I don't even know what position they're going to start him out as. But I, I just envision both those guys taking a little bit of time before they're ready to go. I don't envision them, even though I have them ranked top 10, I don't envision them playing at all this year. A couple things, uh, Ross. I don't know if you could see it on my notes. The couple players that I wanted to ask you about, you hit on most of them already. Um, Bo Prabul, I found interesting. It does kind of stick out that not only is he at the bottom, but it's he's uh, like three-tenths of a point away. He's a 7-2, and the next lowest is 7-5. Do you mind sharing, what was it about his film that uh, made you put him at the bottom of this list? You know, one thing I think is interesting about it is we did these guys, we do the positions at the same time. So... I watched Prabula's video either right after or right before I watched Drew Aller's video. And it's just a noticeable difference. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that Bo Prabula doesn't become a better quarterback at Penn State. He might, because it's not all about your arm strength and arm talent. It's not all about how big you are, how fast you are. There's a lot of intangibles at that position leadership, as well as just how you go about your preparation. It's such a mental position. So <clears throat> I think in that sense, um, you know, I think Prabula has a chance. I guess I, watching him, Jim, I thought he'd be a better athlete than he is. He's a good athlete, but... I don't think he's a Trace McSorley athlete. I don't think he's a guy that moves well enough that he could theoretically play another position. I don't envision that for Bo. And it's just a noticeable difference between him and Aller. It just is. And um, I think that's probably what's out to me, that there was, there was a wide gap between those two from a physical ability standpoint. One other thing, Ross, I... I've told this story, I believe, on the air a few times, and it's worth repeating. Just to show you how long we've been doing this show, you made a comment to me about Trace McSorley, okay, when he was a recruit. So how many years ago is that? And he was ranked as a three-star, and I remember you talking about him and saying you really liked him. And I asked the question, liking him so much, how come he's a three-star versus a four-star? And you held your thumb and index finger about this far apart and said, this is it, because he wasn't three inches taller. I'm going a long way to say, sometimes I get the feeling that when we see these rankings that come out, what gets taken into effect is just their physical size. If a guy, you know, Drew Aller looks like what a quarterback's supposed to look like versus Bo Prabula, say... But I'm going to bring up two other names, one each way. Zane Durant, you have ranked higher than what the rating services do. 
I'm wondering, is it because you looked at his production versus, say, his size, which may not be normal for a defensive tackle? You also didn't have Jerry Cross ranked as high as the services. And I wonder if that's a little bit about the fact, you know, he's 6'6", 257. Boy, that's what a tight end is supposed to look like. So do you see that, Ross, where you're looking more at the player himself versus just his physical size? Yeah. I think that that's, I think that that's fair. I think, well, first of all, for Zane Durant, I just don't think height matters at defensive tackle. In fact, I think being shorter can be an advantage from a leverage standpoint, a big-time advantage. So I don't really look at, at that as a detriment to Durant in any way. I mean, look at who the best player in the world is right now. And Aaron Donald, he's about the same height as Zane Durant. You know, uh, there's there can really be an advantage to being a shorter D tackle like Zane Durant is. So I don't look at that as a negative at all, but I can see where um, the services may have. Um, he also was sort of lighter, but I think he's already put on a bunch of weight. Um, I think he's going to contribute to Penn State's team this year. I think there's a pretty good chance he will. Jerry Cross has really good physical ability. You could see that. He, he just was so raw. And I think part of that was the league he plays in in Milwaukee. Part of that's the coaching uh, that he's got and the system that they're in. But he just came across to me as really raw. And, and some of it, Jim is probably what these guys put in their videos, and I might value certain things more than the services do. You know, they're really into height, weight, speed, and I get it. I, I totally understand that, but I didn't really see a whole lot of physicality in Jerry's game. I didn't see a whole lot of polish, and so that makes it tough for me to give him a really high grade. During uh, Big Ten Media Week earlier this week, Ross, James Franklin talked about this incoming class having uh, more guys who he thinks are ready to prepare to contribute right away. Leads me to the question, You again, you've been doing this for several years now. How do you compare this class to previous ones? You know what's weird about that, Jim? It's such a good question. It's a fair question. I don't remember right now as we're doing this. I don't remember last year's class at all. If you want to ask me that question next year, you gotta you gotta send me my grades for the year before. I can't. I I couldn't tell you five kids in last year's class. I've got the depth chart pulled up in front of me right now. Uh, it was Tangwall's class, and it was not a very good class. So I would say that this class is far superior because I think they're going to get a bunch of guys that are ready to contribute right away. Singleton, Dennis Sutton, Durant, uh, those three guys for sure, I'd be surprised if they don't get a decent amount of playing time. And then there could be others, you know, who knows? Maybe Abdul Carter, uh, maybe um, Caden Saunders or one of the receivers. There could be others, but certainly I feel like Penn State has three guys that will contribute this year. Last year, I guess they had, what, Tangwall a little bit and Kalen King were really the two guys yeah. that contributed. 
that's that's about it. All right, Ross, speaking of that's about it, that's it for this segment. Stick around. Next quarter, we're going to ask Ross. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are start your journey today order online at whypennstate.com hi this is dustin hawkinsmith from the keystone sports network for the best penn state football analysis and commentary go to keystonesportsnetwork.com the rest of the ksn team and i will bring you game reviews player evaluation recruiting news and plenty more you may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Ross Tucker. And it's time to ask Ross. This is where we're going to take your questions for Ross, and then the best question wins the KSN Polo. If you want to submit a question for Ross, really easy. Just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Ross button, and there you go. All right, Ross, you ready to roll? I am ready. Okay, we got a few questions from new people this week, Ross, which I always get excited about. I think that's fantastic. So... Here's someone who I know is new, and this is Lindsay from Blackhawk, who says, Hey, Ross and team, football question. Have you ever played special teams in the NFL for kicks or punts, and is one harder than the other? And I've got a food question. At a wedding, plated dinner or buffet style? Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, okay, I've got... These are both good questions, both really good questions. So number one, um, I did play special teams, high school, college, and the NFL. High school, I was on the punt return team and the kickoff return team. And I liked both, but I especially liked punt return because we would set up a wall. 
and there was a bunch of opportunities to blindside people back when that was legal on the wall and just just crush kids, um, which was so fun. So uh, I remember that vividly. Um, so that's uh, that's high school, college. I was actually as a freshman, Jim. I was one of like three freshmen that made or four freshmen that made the travel squad, which was significant because every game was an away game uh, my freshman year as they were building our new stadium. And I was on the punt team as sort of a up back, like um, a, a, a almost like a personal protector. And then I was the wing on the field goal extra point team. And um, what I remember about the punt team is I don't know that I really made a tackle the whole year. I, I don't know really? that I got down there to make a tackle. I mean, I ran a slow 40 time, and there were usually other guys, you know, linebackers, safeties, that flew down the field and made the tackle before I did. In fact, I'm like dying to know now. I, I probably kind of got in on a couple but there's a lot of fair catches. There's a lot of punts that go out of bounds. I don't really recall um, making any like one-on-one -on -one tackles. That's for sure. Because I was usually the last guy to get down there. Um, and then in the NFL, a little bit of a mixed bag. But I was often on kickoff return in the NFL. So it's always on extra point and field goal, which is a thankless job. You just get totally blasted for no reason because they know you're a sitting duck and they can just light you up. And I've got multiple stories about that that aren't good. And then um, as for uh, kickoff return, you know, like in 2004, Jim, we were awesome. And Terrence McGee, our kick returner went to the Pro Bowl. And so I got, um, he gave us all a watch, a Movado watch. But I don't wear watches. So I, I went to the mall and exchanged my Movado watch for uh, a female Movado watch. And that's what I gave my fiance at the time for Christmas. So I, I, uh, I, I took my, my Movado watch compensation for getting, you know, crushed on the wedge on kickoff return to, so that Terrence could go to the Pro Bowl and exchange it for my wife to get a nice watch. So that was cool. Uh, but then that's also what ended my career. Um, I was uh, in Washington in 2007 and... I hit a guy, Prescott Burgess, actually a linebacker from Michigan, hit him really hard. I think I read after the game or something that he separated his shoulder, got a concussion, and I like crushed him. I was excited about it till I got up and my whole left arm went numb. And it turned out I had a herniated C5, C6 disc in my neck and bruised my spinal cord and it ended my career. So uh, I'm very familiar with special teams and all that stuff has gotten safer now 
practices are easier. I mean, the game is a lot better now than it was when I was playing, which is a good thing. I, I guess on some level I'm jealous, uh, but that is a good thing. And so um, that's my experience on special teams. As for the wedding, definitely a buffet. Definitely. Now, I know it's considered nicer if it's plated and they bring it to you, but I, I like being in control of my own food destiny, okay? I like being able to put as much or as little of every item on my plate. You don't know what I'm going to do, okay? I might, okay, let's say they have filet. I might put my whole plate might be Caesar salad. Then I get two fillets, slice them up, and have a fillet Caesar salad. I like being able to be the director and decide what I'm going to eat. And so, definitely buffet. Uh, Ross, I want to give two two thoughts on your answers. First of all, over all these years, I've come to the conclusion that you're sadistic. Your eyes literally lit up when you talked about blindsiding a guy. Okay, that's number one. Number two, on the weddings, just real quick, remember a couple months ago I talked to you about I was at uh, my niece's wedding in Princeton? Yes. Here's what they did. Besides having a sit-down dinner, which was very nice, prior to that, you know when you wait around for like an hour or two hours while they take pictures? Yes. They had set up food stations, okay? There was a carving station. There was a seafood station. There was a pasta station. Forget the sit-down dinner. That alone, Ross, you would have killed it. You would have killed it. Incredible. I am now like this food station guy for weddings, okay? I love food stations. Love food stations. Here's an interesting thing, too, about buffets. I really like to go through the buffet first visually before I actually go through it physically. Most people don't do that. Jim, failing to prepare is preparing to fail, okay? <laughs> the separation is in the preparation. How can you just grab a plate and start to go through the buffet and you take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, then you get to the end and there's something awesome you didn't even know about, and you have like no room left on your plate. <laughs> Unacceptable, okay? You gotta at least eyeball. You don't need to make it real obvious. You don't need to, but you gotta at least eyeball it and walk through. People will be like, what's he doing? But then they'll notice you don't even have a plate in your hand. You're just scouting. You think Penn State plays these teams and just rolls out the ball and doesn't do any scouting on them? No, of course they do some scouting. You know what? I'm laughing very hard here, Ross, because again, that wedding I was telling you about, I the, it, the um, food stations were spread out over two rooms. I did a walkthrough first, just like you said, scouting. <laughs> so I saw every table before I grabbed the plate. So it's the way to do I, it. It's the way to do I it. I have learned things from you over the years. I have learned <laughs> to prepare. All right, let's move on. Let's go to Tim and Butler. Tim says he's a big fan. 
I feel like you've had an equally successful career after football. What did you go to school for, and do you find that your degree helps you with what you do now? Also, any guess on who returns kicks and punts this year? Um, good questions. Um, so I majored in Princeton, at Princeton, in politics. And they have really old-fashioned majors. So, like, it kind of came down to, for me, history, politics, or economics. Thought I wanted to get into business. So I was leaning towards economics, but it was very dry, very much theory-based. Thought politics was way more interesting, that you could actually debate and have some intellectual discussions. Just way more interesting to me. So that's, and, and I liked writing papers. I liked giving uh, oral presentations. I, I do as much public speaking as I can. Uh, if anybody ever wants me, hit me up over at RossTucker.com for your business or whatever. Something I really enjoy doing. It's really, Jim, probably the closest I get to playing again. You know, because when you're up there, you know, being on, doing a game on TV is similar, but when you're speaking, the people are right there. You know, they're not on TV. They're like five feet away from you. Um, so I think I, you know, I accepted a job with Lehman Brothers um, on Wall Street. I was going to do finance or at least start my career in finance. But then I had an NFL career and started to do um, some media stuff. And it sort of took off from there. And so now I, I have a really good balance between a media career and I have three small businesses that I founded and run, uh, which takes a lot of time. Anybody who has a small business knows. But I, I get a lot of joy out of it. I don't like bosses, Jim. Other than you, I'm not a big fan of bosses. Um, you know, I, I kind of like as much as possible controlling my own destiny. And I think... I would imagine, unless he's starting, I would imagine they get Nick Singleton in, in the mix as a kick returner. I can see Devin Ford again being part of that. Punt returner feels more like maybe Daquan Hardy, although I think maybe Tinsley did it at Western Kentucky, so he's probably a factor too. Well, Tinsley, I would imagine, remember, I always felt so good about Jahan Dotson being the punt returner mostly because he was going to catch the ball no matter what. I don't even know if he bobbled a punt during his career at Penn State. And that, as a fan, just made me so much more confident in the whole process. You know, I didn't have to worry about fumbles back there. So if Tinsley has those kind of hands, that's who gets my vote. All right, Ross, that is it for our Ask Ross segment. Stick around, quarter number four. We're going to have Andy back. And we're going to name our winner. Stay tuned. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. 
featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno. This beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante and Andrew P. Shea back in the house. Andy, of course, we got to take care of business first. We have our winner from our Ask Ross segment, and it's a new uh, a new person asking a question, and it was Lindsay from Blackhawk who asked did ask a football question, but I'll put to you the food question that Lindsay put to us at a wedding, sit down dinner or buffet. Oh, um, this this question does not deserve hesitation, Andy. Sit down dinner. Oh, I like my goodness. I, I like buffet, 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 buffet. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of buffets, but I know at weddings, most uh, like the like the, the pre reception, you know, that cocktail hour thing, they always have people coming around with trades. I count that as my buffet time. And then when they let you in the room and say, okay, it's time for the reception, I just want to sit there. Here's All right, Andy, let. We're move. We're moving on, Andy. Okay. We're moving on. We're moving on. All right. Over the last several weeks, we've done our overview of each position group. Last week, we turned it over to the coaches. A week ago, we talked about all the coaches on the offensive side of the ball. This week, let's talk about the defensive coaches. It's it's interesting because Andy so much talent left this team on defense it was a great defense I still think there's a lot of talent coming back also made a changeover in defensive coordinator longtime uh, DC Brent Pry has moved on to Virginia Tech in his place Manny Diaz is defensive coordinator and linebacker coach what do you expect to see from him so good get for Penn State and James Franklin his work in the offseason establishing relationships with other coaches. It kind of served him well a couple days after Manny got, you know, you know, Candace, the head coach at Miami. James was like, I'm not sure if he wants to talk about 
a defensive coordinator position yet, but I'm going to call him up and ask him if he wants to talk about it. So I, I think it's a good get. I think he's got his hands full uh, as the linebackers coach. Okay, so he's that's that is the first thing I want to say going forward as as a positional linebackers coach. He's going to have his hands full uh, very much so, and that's where you can kind of probably that I'm going to watch him as you know sort of a my first first development because I know what he looks like as a DC. I want to see how he develops the linebackers. That will be interesting because he's got his hands full. We all know that, you know, it's, it's where they lost some horsepower on this defense was at the linebacker position. Do they have some horses in the stable? Yes, but they've got to figure it out. He's going to be a really good defensive coordinator because he's always been a really good defensive coordinator. I will tell you this Penn state fans, this defense will look, different under Manny Diaz. I'm not saying it's going to be better because I thought Brent Pry built a monster of a defense as the, as the DC at Penn state. Good for him getting a head coaching job. Um, I think recruiting is going to be a little bit of a learning curve for, in some respects for Manny, because mostly he's done a, a large majority of high end recruiting in Florida where hello, it's a little bit different because in Florida, the talent pool is ridiculously ch- uh, is just so ridiculously deep. But I'm going to be interested, and I think Penn State fans should enjoy this and, and will enjoy this and should see and will like it as well. It is that it is going to be, it is going to look a little bit different, not in terms of structure, but in terms of the way he calls a game. And I think he's a little bit more aggressive. I think he does a little bit more mixing and matching in terms of, you know, the secondary and how many linebackers he plays and how he blitzes. But he is a really good defensive coordinator. You know, Andy, you mentioned recruiting, and I'm glad you did. I think when uh, Manny Diaz first got here a few months ago, the defense side of recruiting was a little bit slow getting going, and we didn't know if that would pick up once Manny Diaz was here a little bit and the ongoing recruits would get to know him or if it would be an issue. I think he's answered that question, at yep. least based on what he's done this season. If you look at this year's, re- the 2023 recruiting class on the defensive side of the ball, it looks really good. All right, uh, let, let's hit on some of the other coaches. Uh, John Scott Jr., the defensive line, that's going through quite a transition this year. Could be a test for him. He's got some talent coming back. It'll be interesting to see how he meshes that, Andy. What has uh, stood out for you with John Scott Jr.'s performance with the defensive line so far? So he took over for sort of a little bit of a legend at Penn State, right? He's entering his third season. He he came to Penn State with a good bit of FBS coaching and NFL coaching experience. And that has kind of showed up big time, right? First year, he had Oway and Shaka Tony. That was his first season. Remember that? Think about what he did for Jesse Lucada last last season. The development of P.J. Mustafer inside. All of this is under John Scott Jr. Oh, that guy named Arnold Ebikidi. Remember him from last season? You don't go from playing at Temple to being a high NFL draft pick in one year on your own. Yes, Arnold deserves a lion's share of the credit for it, but we all need a little help. Hello? What kind of coaching do you get? That's all you need to know. Um, there's some help coming, but also the you know they've got some good talent at that position. 
Here's the last thing I want to say about John Scott Jr. Remember what the de- what the defensive line looked like and how that, especially on the interior, how that unit performed and played after P.J. Mustafer went out. Think about that. That might have been some of John Scott Jr.'s best work as, as a defensive line coach at Penn State. I thought that was outstanding. It stood out to me that, okay, yeah, you lost P.J. Mustafer, and that is a black hole. But the defensive line, particularly in the interior, did not perform like it was a black hole. That is coaching in its essence. He's done he, his talent acquisition and development. He's had a little bit to work with. Man, if you play defensive line for this guy, you're going to get some high-end coaching. That's all I got to say. And it's going to be interest, very interesting this year because you saw uh, pretty much all of the defensive line leaving one way or the other, graduating, moving on to the next level to the NFL. But you've got a lot of talent coming from Adisa Isaac and P.J. Mustafer coming off of injury. And by the way, P.J. Mustafer announced at Big Ten Media Day he passed his conditioning test. He's yep. ready to go. He's 100%. Yep. you got Chop Robinson, a five-star kid out of Maryland coming in also. So he's got a real influx of talent after a lot of talent went out the door. It'll be interesting to see how he puts it together. Now, Andy, let's go to the defensive backfield. And we've got the two coaches back there. Let's start with Terry Smith in the, and the cornerbacks. Terry so, Smith's been Terry, around for a while and done a Terry, pretty good job, I think. Yeah, Terry Smith is also the associate head coach, right? I, I think that's a that's more than a title to me. Um, I've known Terry for a long, 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 long time. I, I knew him and covered him when he was the coach at Gateway High School out in western Pennsylvania. Uh, he had talent, but you could also tell he was an elite coach back then. I, it was no surprise that he became an FBS uh, college coach. I, I'm a fan. I don't think I think the development of the corners under his tenure. I, I don't think it's up for debate, in my honest opinion. I, I think he's outstanding in talent acquisition. I think cornerbacks developed under his tenure. Cornerback has never been a stick, real, quote unquote, a sticky position for Penn State when Terry Smith as as the head coach. And he's a sneaky good recruiter. Like, you don't hear necessarily like a lot about Terry Smith, the recruiter. He's just sneaky, really good. He's a relationship person. He's very easy to talk to and uh, communicate with. He's just sneaky good at it. But he's got tenure. He's got some time. He, he knows what his head coach wants from his corners, and he knows how to develop him. I'm a fan. That's all I'm going to say. Let's switch over to safety, which is turning into a premier position at Penn State. We've got Anthony Poindexter there, and I almost feel like, Andy, we also should name the safeties coach from Lackawanna College also and tip the hat to him for development of the safeties. So last year was Anthony Poindexter's first year, right? So you say, okay, well, the guy's only got one year. Now, he inherited some some decent top-end talent, right? He was at Purdue for four years and came to Penn State. He inherited some talent, right? But, however, this is what the point I want to make about what Poindexter did last year. The safety position in 2021, in his first year, not only did he, okay, he developed the talent that he had at the position, they became 
impact. It became an impact position, not just because they made interceptions. I mean, across the board in run support, the way they were aggressive, the impact that he brought to that position in one year, I say it again, had some pretty darn good talent to work with. Um, I thought he did an outstanding job in the first year, turning it into an impact position for Penn state. And that almost is sort of like he set the bar of this is what I can do. So as he goes into year two, he still has a really deep, good room. He has some options. He has choices. He's got some decisions to make in how he manages and puts his group on the field. Look, we know Jair Brown's going to play safety. How the other safety position works out, I think that goes deep in the camp, not because they're not sure, but because I think they have really, really good options. We're going to learn more about what he does with a lot of choices and how he manages that position. Because last year it was, you know, it was the two guys. It was the two safeties. They were the guys. They were the impact players. One's got, you know, Brisker's gone to the NFL. Jair Brown emerged and became a monster. Jair Brown's coming back. He's going to be your monster. What do you do with the other three guys? And how does that work out? I think you're going to learn a little bit more about Anthony Poindexter as a safety coach because he's got he's got like a different situation to manage this year. It's not any way problematic for Penn State because they have a wealth of talent at the position. But first year out of the gate, man, that was pretty darn good, wasn't it, Jimmy? It, it really was. And I just want to point out, when you talk about the impact of the safeties, and if you hear uh, Jaquan Brisker talk or Jair Brown about some of those individual plays that they made, those interceptions, I'm thinking of like the Wisconsin game where uh, Brisker made that interception late in the game. He talked about that was not because of his physical skills. It was because of his mental skills. He was well-prepared. He read the play. And I know you got to give credit to the player for knowing that, seeing it, understanding that. You also got to give some credit to the coach for developing that. All right, Andy, that's it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Be sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind we are start your journey today order online at whypennstate.com hi this is dustin hawkinsmith from the keystone sports network for the best penn state football analysis and commentary go to keystonesportsnetwork.com the rest of the ksn team and i will bring you game reviews player evaluation recruiting news and plenty more you may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits that's keystonesportsnetwork.com you can also take keystone sports network with you go to your app store and download keystone sports for your mobile device For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network.
We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000.